Welcome to Alaskwatch, the show all about Bigfoot in the great state of Alaska. I'm your host, Beans Baxter. So lace up your boots, zip up your coat, and come with me on an adventure as we explore all things cryptid in the last frontier. Hey everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Alaska Watch. I am back fresh from the road. I did a lot of driving over the last uh, week or so and uh, we're going to get into that. I'm going to tell you about that. I'm going to tell you all about my adventures uh, at the Boreal Bigfoot Expo and beyond and uh, I think uh, you guys are going to enjoy it. But first I just want to mention, I want to give a quick shout out to manscaped who has uh, offered their support for the show uh, we're going to have an ad for manscaped here in just a little bit uh, but i want to make sure you guys know that uh, i've got an exclusive offer for you guys that listen to the show you can get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code beans that's b-e-a-n-s at manscaped.com i went with that because i thought people might have a hard time spelling a last watch so if you go to manscaped.com find something that you like, find yourself something nice. Uh, even if you're not a man, if you're a woman, maybe there's a guy in your life that you want to buy a nice gift for. You know, Christmas is coming up soon. You can get 20% off and free shipping. Just go to the manscaped.com website and use the code BEANS, B-E-A-N-S. And uh, now let's get into the Boreal Bigfoot Expo. I'm going to tell you guys uh, about my experiences there. So as you guys know, when we uh, got to a town on Friday night, they had the Bigfoot and Brews at the Hoodoo Brewing Company. Uh, it's my first time there at the Hoodoo Brewing Company. Uh, I thought uh, I really enjoyed their beer. I can't remember what I had. I think I had uh, IPA. At, uh, it was really good. Uh, met up with uh, Adam Davies and Stephen Major. And uh, Jesse and Heidi were there, as well as uh, other organizers of the uh, Boreal Bigfoot Expo. Had a few drinks. Had uh, some good conversation, a good time. Took some photos was really uh, a nice get together and uh, I really enjoyed myself. Then the next day uh, we woke up bright and early and headed over to the Boreal Bigfoot Expo. Uh, the, it was a, in a really nice venue. Uh, there was a really it was a really big building. I believe it's the Pioneer Center and um, it was a really good layout. The only I think the only thing that I kind of my only, I don't even want to call it complaint. The only concern I had, I guess, was the vendors were kind of up on the mezzanine above the stage. And I know there were points, you know, when I was up there and there were other presenters going, uh, giving their presentation, I kind of had a hard time hearing the presentation. But then I noticed, like, I went down and gave my presentation. I had a lady approach me afterward and she's like, yeah, I had a hard time hearing you because of all the noise that was coming from up um, on the next level on the mezzanine because it's kind of an open area. So I wasn't sure <clears throat> if everybody got to hear my presentation or not. I, I hope they did. Uh, I just had the one person say that she couldn't hear it. Uh, but I did try and listen into Michael Thompson and Shane Land's presentations. And I only got bits and pieces of them. Uh, like I said, sometimes I had a hard time hearing. Uh, and then other times, you know, people would come up to the table and I would have to um, interact with them and, and uh, talk to them. So I, I missed out on, on a lot of their presentations. But uh, I know... Michael Thompson's really looked interesting because he 
was talking about a bunch of the different native uh, legends and lore and the bunch of the different creatures that they have in their legends. And he was busting out stuff that I'd never even heard of or never seen. Uh, I think a lot of it, you know, was pretty much concentrated on the interior, which I'm not super familiar with. I don't have, haven't spent a whole lot of time in the interior of Alaska. So there was uh, a lot of um, little creatures I noticed on his presentation that I'd never heard of. And unfortunately, Michael wasn't able to attend in person and uh, did his presentation over Zoom. I think it went pretty well uh, for being a Zoom presentation, but uh, I was uh, sad that I wasn't able to meet him because uh, we've been corresponding for a few years now. We've never actually met in person, so I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to make it a point to uh, get up there and see him uh, maybe next spring or fall and just uh, hang out with him a little bit because um, we've been. Like I said, we've been talking for a while, uh, corresponding back and forth, but we've never actually met. So uh, I think it would be fun to get out in the field with him a little bit. And then after Michael's presentation, um, I spoke and I went on and had a really good time. I had a good time giving my presentation. I always do. Uh, I always try and kind of, you know, I, I take I take the subject of Bigfoot very seriously uh, but I always try and interject just a little humor in my presentation. You know, I, I always find that I pay more attention to uh, presenters that inject just a little humor into their presentations. You know, it, it keeps you on your toes, uh, keeps you entertained. Uh, sometimes a lot of the the subject matter can can get pretty um, a little dry when you get to talking about the scientific aspects of things. So. You know, I always like to just bust up a little humor, you know, tell a few jokes, make people laugh. Uh, I felt like <laughs> there were a couple of jokes uh, that I, I told that uh, kind of fell flat. You know, if you ever heard about somebody, they uh, they, they didn't, uh, they died on stage, you know, they, they weren't uh, doing very good. There was a couple of moments during the presentation where I was like, oh God, nobody's laughing. And this is pretty funny. <laughs> this is like a material and nobody's laughing at it. But um, I, I did get a few laughs here and there. Uh, I think mostly the, the things I got the laugh, the biggest laughs for were what I considered some of the most, um, you know, some of the most trivial jokes, just little, little, you know, bits that I made here and there that I didn't really think would be that funny. And those are the ones seem to be the ones that people really laughed at not the ones that I actually like sought out because I thought they were so funny. You know, I was like, Oh, I'm going to use that cause it's really funny. But, uh, I thought I had a good, uh, a good presentation. People seem engaged. They seem to really like it. Uh, I went through it pretty quick and then I had, uh, probably about 10 minutes of a Q and a at the end. And I was pleasantly surprised at the number of questions I had. Uh, the audience seemed engaged. They seemed like they were really interested and uh, I had a really good time. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a, a success. Uh, I had guesstimated that there would be probably be about a hundred attendees and we actually doubled that. I think there was actually about 200, uh, which I thought was just phenomenal. I mean, you got to consider the timing of the event while, you know, it's, it was good. It wasn't optimal. The, uh, state fair was going on. It was hunting season. Uh, you know, I, I noticed there were some people that told me they were going to attend that didn't make it. <clears throat> but, uh, on the other hand, I think there was a lot of people that showed up kind of spur of the moment and, uh, padded out the numbers. So there was, it was a good event. It was good numbers. Uh, a lot of people showed up. Uh, I thought, uh, in my opinion, I thought it was a success. Um, and then uh, Shane uh, Land, he went on after me. Uh, his presentation was the last one of the day. And um, I didn't I didn't get to hear as much of his as I'd like. 
I got uh, a lot of, after my presentation, I had a lot of people coming up to my table and talking to me and uh, wanting to buy my book and stuff like that. So I, I missed out on a lot of what he said, but I did pick up his book at the presentation and uh, I'm going to be reading that and then I'll uh, give a review of it here on the podcast. So I thought uh, it was really cool meeting him, seemed like a really nice guy. And uh, I, I'm sorry to say I couldn't meet Michael, that he wasn't there in person, but uh, it was still a good time. And I enjoyed what I could see of his presentation. And I thought I liked the venue. Uh, I did think um, that I was a little concerned over some of the noise though with uh, the presentation and the people upstairs with the vendors were, but it was nice being able to go and peruse the vendors and still being able to keep an eye on the presentations. I thought that was pretty cool. So it's, you know, it had its pros and cons, but I really enjoyed it. I had a good time. Uh, I hope they plan on doing another one. And I think that if they invite me back, I would definitely go back because uh, it was great. And then of course they had the town hall where some people talked about their encounters And one of the things that impressed me probably most was some of the displays that they had set up. As you come in, uh, where the presentations were held, they had a lot of displays where they talked about native legends and lore. Uh, They had uh, track casts. They had displays set up. They had what was probably the crown jewel in the uh, displays was the replica Gigantopithecus skull. And that's pretty cool because it really gives you like a sense of scale when you look at these things. And um, I always mention this story when I talk about scale is when I saw the Bossberg trash cat, uh, track cast, the um, cripple foot tracks. You know, you always see them in, in books and stuff. And then when you see them in person, they're just, they're huge. They're ginormous. And it just, you're thinking, man, that is like, how is something that big walking around? So again, with a Gigantopithecus skull, it kind of helps you put things in perspective. Like, man, that is insane how big that is. So that was really cool to see. Uh, I got some pictures of that. <clears throat> I'll throw those up on my Instagram. Uh, if you guys are on Instagram, you can follow me at Alaskwatch Podcast on the on the gram. I'm also on Twitter and Facebook, of course. So you can uh, seek me out on all forms of social media. I've even got a pod or a TikTok too, but I. I'm still kind of filling my way out on TikTok. Not really sure how to use it, but uh, you can find me on there. Um, my username is Alaskwatch. So anyway, guys, uh, that was my experiences with the Boreal Bigfoot Expo. I had a really good time, and it seems like every time I go to something like this, I'm just blown away by the number of people that come up and just want to share their encounters and tell me what they saw and what they heard And they just want to, I think they want that validation of, you know, these people will believe me when I tell them my story because it's so unbelievable. And I think that's one of the best things about conventions and expos. I I hear a lot of people and see a lot of people online. They talk crap about them. They call them like cryptid flea markets. And it's just a place for people to go and, you know, spend money and try and sell cryptid junk. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. It happens. You know, there, I had stuff for sale there. You know, I'm trying to make money. Uh, I'm not going to get rich. I'm not going to make a living off this Bigfoot stuff, but Hey, you know, every little bit helps. And if I can make a couple of dollars to help fund what I do out there, then why not? If I'm giving somebody something they like and they enjoy, you know, if you want to wear an Alaska watch t-shirt because you enjoy the podcast, more power to you. And I think that 
the conventions, I think they really give people, it's almost like a support group. You get to show up, you get to talk with like-minded people, you get to share your stories and they can be a nice judgment-free zone for somebody who's had an experience to go and, and share it. And I don't know why people just hate on them because there's some money changing hands. And, you know, some of the best conversations I had with people there, they didn't buy anything. They just came over to my table to, to BS and talk about Bigfoot. And I had just as much fun talking to them as I did anybody that bought anything or purchased anything. And I would probably go to these just to hang out. (laughs) Uh, even if I didn't have anything to sell or was speaking, I would like to attend them, uh, just to, just to experience the atmosphere and hear the stories. And I have done that before. I've gone to uh, conventions as just an attendee and hung out. So, uh, yeah, it was it was definitely worth your time. If you're a Bigfoot enthusiast or interested in the subject, I, I no matter where you're at, I encourage you to uh, do some research, find a good convention or expo near you, and uh, just try it out. Just go check it out. You might surprise yourself and have a good time. So that being said, guys, I'm going to take a little bit of a break here. And when I come back, I'm going to tell you about uh, our adventures after the Boreal Bigfoot Expo and uh, what we did. Support for the Alaska Watch podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best and men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you guys, Alaska Watch listeners. You get 20% off and free worldwide shipping, even to Alaska, with the code BEANS, B E A N S, at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off and free shipping with the code BEANS, B E A N S. NS at manscaped.com. Imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0 and I'm blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and the details of the 4.0 are next level. I got to be honest with you guys, when it comes to this stuff, I wasn't too sure about manscaping or grooming down there. But after I tried it, I got to admit, it's pretty freeing, and I think it's going to have me running through the woods looking for Bigfoot in no time. Remember, guys, just because we hunt for Bigfoot doesn't mean we have to look like Bigfoot. Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys. This upgraded trimmer includes a multifunction on and off switch that can engage a travel lock. It also gives you the ability to turn on the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard links with sizes 1 through 4. And did I mention the wireless charging? The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. Men, if you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it wrong. No person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. 
It's time to get your own ball hair and body trimmer with Manscaped to make me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice smooth boys. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BEANS, B-E-A-N-S, at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Remember guys, get 20% off and free shipping with the code BEANS, B-E-A-N-S, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with the free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BEANS. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the right job with Manscaped. All right, guys, we're back. So anyway, wrapping up, I had a great time at the Burrow Bigfoot Expo. And after the expo, I hit the road with Stephen Major and Adam Davies. And we started heading north from Fairbanks. And just to... um, just to kind of put this in perspective, it's kind of hard uh, in, in the audio form of the podcast here. But uh, I drove, those of you that know, I live on the southern tip of the Kenai Peninsula. And that's about as far south as you can drive when you get on the road and uh, on the road system here. So I drove from Homer, which is, they call it the end of the road. I drove from Homer all the way up to Fairbanks, which is about a 10-hour drive. Did the Boreal Bigfoot Expo, and then we loaded up with uh, Stephen and Adam, headed north, and we hit the Dalton Highway, which if you look up the Dalton Highway, you'll hear it, see it called things like the loneliest road in America, the most dangerous road in America, stuff like that. And we drove north up to... Coldfoot, which was about a six-hour drive, I believe, from Fairbanks. And then we spent the night in Coldfoot, and then we drove another six hours the next day up to Dead Horse, Alaska, which is located in Prudhoe Bay, uh, which is often referred to as the slope, the North Slope. That's where a lot of the oil workers go and work. It's actually pretty much just a an oil town. It's, it's populated by the oil companies and, and, and places like that, the places that service the oil companies, there's not really any permanent residence there. It's not like a, a village or a, a city, <clears throat> although it kind of is. It's just none of the none of the residents stay there year-round. Uh, most of them just come up, they work their two- or three-week shift, and then they get two or three weeks off. So we went up to Dead Horse. Uh, we found the uh, Arctic Ocean up there. We were able to uh, get transportation up there to the water. Uh, They took us through the oil fields there where the the companies are located. Uh, They showed us some pretty cool stuff. Took us to the water's edge and let us uh, have uh, some fun out there. We got to uh, wade out into the Arctic Ocean. Uh, Adam actually um, stripped down to his skivvies and (laughs) waded out there and... uh, was uh, splashing around <clears throat> and Steven and I, we weren't that brave. We just kind of rolled up our pant legs and uh, walked out there. But, you know, I can say I've dipped my toe in the Arctic ocean. So I drove from the southernmost tip of Alaska that you can drive to, to the northernmost tip of Alaska that you can drive through. And uh, I think when I looked it up on the Google maps, it was about 1,068 miles one way. So then of course we had to turn around and drive back. So 
we took pretty much the same route back. Uh, I dropped the guys off in Anchorage and they flew out and I continued south down to uh, back home to Homer. And so that made the uh, round trip for me a little bit over 2000 miles in just a few days. And I tell you what, by the time I got home, I was, I was pretty sick of driving. I was, I was like, I just want to sit at home and, and relax for a while. And, um, I, uh, I tell you what we took. So I, I, I did some, some reading, some researching on the Dalton highway. And one of the things that they tell you before you drive it is always make sure you've got a spare tire. Actually, they recommend you have two spare tires and uh, plenty of emergency uh, supplies. Well, with myself and Stephen and Adam going, and you know, of course, we're just driving, and my pickup truck was just a regular pickup truck. It's not there's nothing special about it. Uh, space was limited, so I did not get an extra spare. But what I did do was um, I had a couple of cans of Fix a Flat, and I had upgraded my tires before this trip to uh, some beefier tires, some that weren't so prone to punctures and were a little hardier. So we took off and drove the 500 miles from Fairbanks up uh, the Dalton Highway. And I was very, I was pretty gun shy about some of the potholes and stuff, uh, even though I had the new tires. Uh, I don't remember, I'm pretty sure I told the story on here before about going out fishing uh, to this remote area and I had hit I hit a nasty pothole and ended up I don't know if it was the pothole that caused it or it was something else but I hit this really you know one of those potholes where you hit it and your soul like leaves your body for a second and um, we're, we're driving towards the the river where we want to fish and my tire starts losing air pressure and where there's no cell service you can't call for help and I was just like, oh my gosh. And the tire was getting flatter and flatter. And I thought, well, you know, I've got my fix a flat here. I'll just, you know, put that in the tire and I'll deal with it later, you know, when we get back to civilization. And I pulled my fix a flat out of the back of the truck. And I had, what, I, what had happened is, you know, when I first moved to Homer about, oh geez, what, 12 years ago or something, I had, <clears throat> when I bought my truck, I bought this can of fix a flat to keep in the truck. Well, I bought a new truck. I transferred the fix-a-flat from the old truck to the new truck and just, you know, continued on. And now here we are 12 years later. I have a flat tire. I pull the fix-a-flat out of the back seat and I'm thinking, you know, this is going to solve my problems. And it doesn't occur to me this can of fix-a-flat's like 12 years old. And that stuff has a shelf life apparently because I went to put it in the tire and it just went, (laughs) just nothing came out. So, uh, I still, you know, I had my spare tire and I thought, well, I'll just have to change the tire. So I get my, uh, factory jack out to come with the truck and I try to jack the truck up. Of course, we're on this muddy gravel road. Uh, it's not working too good. At one point the truck like shifts and almost falls on top of me because of the gravel And at this point, I'm thinking we might be in trouble. (laughs) So what had happened was, is I had went over to, there's a little campsite, a campground, not too far from where we were fishing, just within walking distance. And I went in there and I found uh, a couple that had 
a travel trailer that they had set up. And, you know, people that are familiar with travel trailers, you know, a lot of times you'll have leveling blocks and stuff that you'll use to, to help keep them level. And I asked those people, I was like, hey, do you guys have any spare um, leveling blocks or pieces of wood or something? And they gave me this piece of like plywood or something, and it worked perfectly. I put my jack underneath it and was able to get the truck um, lifted up and got the tire changed. And I went back <clears throat> and I gave those people their wood back and I gave the, uh, the couple, I gave them uh, a, like a $10 bill. And I was like, hey, you guys buy yourselves a drink on me. And they were like, no, 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 that's ridiculous. I was like, no, you guys don't understand. <laughs> this piece of wood saved my ass. So after that incident, I had gone out and I had bought some uh, like leveling blocks and uh, a better jack, like an actual hydraulic jack, not the scissor jack, and a patch kit and some some other, you know, tire related things. So <clears throat> I tell you that story to tell you this story. So I had all that with me uh, on the Dalton Highway and we'd got some, I had uh, Stephen pick me up some more fixed flat. So I was fairly confident that I could have handled any kind of tire related emergency that befell us on the Dalton highway. That being said, I did not want to have to stop on the Dalton highway to fix the tire, especially once we got into some of the more, um, weathered environments, uh, at points, you know, I think the coldest temperature we experienced, uh, keep in mind, this is September, the first or second week of September, and we're running into 28 degree temperatures. Uh, we ran into snow. Uh, we went through Antigon Pass. Uh, it was pretty pretty crappy both times we went through on the way up and the way back. We had a lot of snow coming down, and uh, it was it was an experience. It, it's really uh, something that you know it takes a it takes a certain uh, person to to make it up that far. Um, we made it to the Arctic Circle, which to drive the Dalton Highway up to the Arctic Circle that's not that, not that hard. It, it takes a while, but that's where most of the tourists go is they'll go up to the Arctic circle sign. They'll spend a little bit of time there. They'll get their picture made with the sign and then they head back north of the Arctic circle sign is when it starts to get rough. Cause it's not, nobody goes up there except for the people, the truck drivers and people going to Prudhoe Bay. So after we hit the Arctic circle sign and uh, got our pictures made there, started heading north that's when things started to get interesting and when you started to run into some rough country uh, there were some sections of the road that were paved and a lot of it was not uh, pretty pretty uh, rugged and potholy in some areas uh, we ran into uh, some paved sections which if you look in the milepost magazine i think it says 25 percent of the dalton highway is paved and i think it might actually be more than that now I know the first, the last like 75 miles or so leading into dead horse was paved and it was like brand new fresh pavement. It was the best driving of the entire trip <laughs> was the last like 75 miles or so. And it was really cool because that's when you start to see sort of the Arctic wildlife and the animals that live, you know, above the Arctic circle. So we, it gave me a little bit more freedom to look for animals and less time to concentrate on the road. A lot of the trip, up the Dalton Highway, I was so fixated on dodging potholes and staying off the soft shoulder and just, you know, keeping the truck going that I didn't have a lot of time to scan for wildlife and to, to see what was out there. Uh, we did see some really cool animals. Uh, we did uh, a little bit of a little, a little bit of Bigfoot research. 
uh, went into some areas where we'd heard um, that there was some activity, threw some cameras up, uh, did some camping. You know, we, we had a good time um, for most of it. There, were, there, was some, there was some bad weather we ran into, um, especially around the Coldfoot region. It was just uh, a lot of rain, a lot of torrential downpour rain. Not, now, don't get me wrong. Like, we can handle rain. Rain's not that big of a deal. But this was like, you know, somebody's standing over you pouring a bucket on your kind of rain. And that's that's not fun to do anything in, especially film. So uh, we had we had some challenges that we had to contend with. We had some things that we had to deal with. I'm not going to give too much away because uh, I know Steven's wanting to cut a lot of the footage together. And uh, I'm not sure if he's going to if we're going to do a full scale documentary or if he's just going to release um release it to YouTube. I, I don't know what his plans are. I think he's kind of up in the air with that in a moment, but, uh, he, he's got some plans that he wants to do with that. So I don't want to give too much away, but yeah, we had a, a pretty good time. Uh, you know, when you're, when you're traveling with friends, you know, and you're in close quarters like that, you have, you have good times and then you have bad times and, and it, it goes, you know, just like with anything, you know, any, any, time you spend uh, that much time with, uh, somebody, you have uh, ups and downs and, uh, you know, all families have their uh, disagreements and stuff. So we definitely got to see the best and worst of each other on the trip. And um, it was it was a good time, though. And I think probably I'm going to head back that way. I don't know if I'm going to go all the way to Dead Horse, but there's some areas up there I want to check out. And I think maybe next year I might uh, head back that way and uh, do some exploring. And I think... Uh, there's a lot of, man, it just gives you a real like perspective of how big Alaska is. I mean, I drove and drove and drove and drove and drove and drove and it just never ends. It just keeps going. It just keeps going. And then there's mountains and there's swamps and there's forests and there's tundra and it just, the landscape changes and it just keeps going and going and it just gives you a real sense of scale for how big of Alaska is. I mean, I literally drove from the southern tip of Texas up into Canada, probably, and then back again um, just in a few days. And uh, I tell you what, <clears throat> it gives you uh, a, a sense of how minuscule we are when compared to nature and just how much land is out there and what could be out there living in it. We just have no idea about. So... With all that being said, we made it uh, relatively uh, safe and sound up to Dead Horse and then back down uh, to Fairbanks. And then uh, we made a quick stop in Denali National Park uh, just so that the guys could say they'd been. Uh, if those of you that listen regular, regularly, you'll know that uh, my wife and I won the road lottery last year and we actually drove the entire 92 miles into the park and uh, there's a two-part video series on that on my youtube page where you can uh, check out our ride into the park uh, we captured the entire thing on dash camera and uh, edited it together my wife did most of the work on that edited it together for uh, a couple of videos that we threw up on youtube so if you want to uh, see uh, the Nally national park for uh, free basically uh, check out our videos and then after denali national park uh, we continued south, hit Anchorage, and the guys uh, got on a plane, and then I continued uh, south to uh, to home, to Homer. And 
so <laughs> this is the funny part. So we uh, spent the night in Anchorage and the guys uh, got up the next morning. I was going to take them to the airport and I started my truck up. And when I started my truck up, my uh, tire sensor warning light came on and it said that the front passenger side tire was low. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. Like, I mean, I just, I'd literally driven like almost 2000 miles and hadn't had any issues whatsoever. <clears throat> so I look and it's, it's a little flat, but it's not, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's probably about 15 pounds low on air. And I thought, well, you know, the, we were just a couple of miles from the airport. I thought I'll take the guys to the airport and then I'll go find a um, gas station that has air. I'll air it up and I'll see what's going on. Cause I'm thinking like, well, maybe cause sometimes the tires lose air pressure when the temperature changes and it had, you know, that obviously the temperature had dropped during the night, but it had gotten way colder on our trip up North and the sensor light didn't come on. So I was a little, I was a little concerned. Plus this was the day that I'm supposed to be driving home. So I dropped the guys off at the airport. I go to the gas station. I find a gas station with air. I'm airing up the tire. I'm taking a look. I take a look at it and right, like right at my eye level, when I bend down to put the air in, there's a screw sticking out of the tire. Not, not far, but I can see there's a screw in the tire. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I made it all this way. And then I've got like four and a half hours to go after driving for 40 some hours, 40 hours I've been on the road. In the last four and a half, I've got to go. This is when problems are going to strike. So I went ahead, I filled the tire up, uh, got it to where it was supposed to be. And I'm thinking, all right, so I'm, I'm in Anchorage. Should I just wait and see if I can find some place to take the tire to fix it before I try and head home? And I realized, well, it's Sunday. There's not a lot of garages or tire places that are probably open on Sunday. And the tire didn't go flat and it had been sitting there all night. So I thought I can probably make it at least to the next place that has a gas station with air, assess the situation, and then, you know, keep going. And then I realized, well, I've got the fix a flat too. So if it starts to lose air, I could put the fix flat in it. So I went ahead, put the air in it, uh, went ahead and hit the road and, uh, kept a, a close eye on the tire pressure. Uh, it didn't lose. I mean, it lost a couple of pounds of pressure between Anchorage and home, but I made it all the way home without having to put air in it again. And then, uh, it's set, um, in the driveway all night. And the next morning was Monday. So I woke up and I took it to the uh, tire place here in town where I had the tires uh, put on and they, they patched it and, and fixed it for me for free because uh, their tires were guaranteed. But man, that was talk about that. That was a nerve wracking moment to realize how far I'd gone, how far I'd come. And then right literally when I was on the doorstep to get home, that's when something goes wrong. And I'm by myself, by the way, the guys have already left. So whatever I got to do, I got to do it by myself. I've got to figure it out. But, uh, it was, it was a, you know, in, in the, in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't that big of a deal. And we got it, I got it figured out and made it home safe and sound. And <laughs> just the, uh, the irony of, uh, 
how uh, how that happened. And uh, I, I real I was kind of thinking I was like, well, I am in Anchorage where I can get services, but it's Sunday, so is that any better than like being in the middle of the Dalton Highway? <laughs> so I I was uh, I kind of I kind of made a command decision and, and went ahead and drove on it, and uh, it was fine. And I ended up getting it fixed. And uh, as far as I know, it's 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 still good. It's still holding. Um, I've had those guys patch tires for me before, and it's always worked out well. So yeah, um, that's a just a man. That's a quick, brief overdue, over overdue overview of uh, about the last eight days of my life there. And uh, I'm still, you know, settling in. Uh, I've got gear that I've got to clean, and you know, my tents and stuff. I've got to clean them up and hang them up to dry. So um, it's a lot of work going on these types of trips. You know, when you get back, there's stuff you've got to sort through and put up and clean. And I'm a big fan of uh, taking care of my gear. I think if you take care of your gear, it'll take care of you. So whenever I come back from something like this, I always get all my stuff out and clean it up and dry it out before I put it back away. So anyway, guys, that being said, I have got uh, some tents to clean and scrub up and, and dry. And I think uh, we've had a little break in the weather here. It's been raining ever since I've been home. So I think this is a good time to get out there and do it. Uh, but I wanted to put out the podcast and give you an update, tell you what's been going on, what we've experienced. And uh, I'll let you know when uh, Stephen gets his, his uh, footage edited and what he's going to do with it and where you can see it. I think... Um, it's, it'll be a good opportunity to uh, travel the Dalton Highway with us uh, without uh, actually having to go through the stress and potholes <laughs> and the bad weather. So anyway, guys, uh, thanks for listening. I really appreciate you. I want to say thanks to everybody that came to the Boreal Bigfoot Expo. And I also wanted to throw a special shout out out there to uh, Tom from the UK. Uh, Tom, your package is in the mail. It's coming to you. Uh, we... Uh, had to look into some international shipping options and uh, got your stuff out to you. So if any of you guys out there that don't live in the U.S., if you want some Alaskwatch swag, uh, just contact me. You can send me an email at alaskwatch at gmail.com or you can contact me using the contact tab on my website at alaskwatchpodcast.com and uh, we'll figure it out. We'll work something out for you so we can get some sweet Alaskwatch swag in your hands. Uh, if you guys enjoy the podcast, uh, please support us. Go to alaskwatchpodcast.com. Take a look at uh, what we've got to offer in the Alaskwatch store. Uh, special treat. Uh, I've got a limited, very, very limited number of copies of the In Search of the Port Chatham Harry Man DVD. Uh, if you guys want to pick that up, uh, you can order one from the Alaskwatch store podcast. I mean, the Alaskwatch podcast store, excuse me. And uh, also a big welcome to our sponsor, Manscaped. Remember, guys, if you guys go to the manscaped.com website, pick yourself out something nice. They've got a lot of good products there, not just uh, things for shaving your boys. They've got boxers. They've got T-shirts. They've got nose and ear trimmers. They've got all kinds of stuff. They've got bombs and deodorants. Uh, they've got shaving kits uh, for travel, which is very useful when you're on the road. So go to manscaped.com and get 20% off your order and free shipping. That's 20% off and free shipping worldwide, even to Alaska, with the code BEANS, B-E-A-N-S, 
at manscaped.com. 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use the code BEANS. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, guys, I appreciate you listening. Thank you so much, and uh, be careful out there. Mm-hmm.